0: All right, we'll take your Bible tonight and turn to the book of Job and chapter number 42, Job and chapter 42. And then also find your place in James chapter five. We'll read a couple verses there related to Job in the New Testament, Job, sorry, Job 42 and then uh, James chapter number five. So while you're finding your place uh, there in those two locations, again, it's good to have the Hardys here. He'll be uh, doing the Sunday school workshop for us. And I'm a firm believer in Sunday school, aren't you? Just how important Sunday school is to our spiritual life and, and just the well-being, I think, of our church family. So I appreciate uh, him being a part of that, Miss Grace, being able to be here as well. The fine hours are here, praying for them as they're getting ready to go and as missionaries. And uh, just glad uh, to have, uh, have them here as well as other guests here as well. So it's a real blessing. We've been in a two-year, um, almost said trial, <laughs> we've been a two-year journey uh, in the book of Job. And so I've enjoyed that immensely. And, um, you know, like we've said along the way, there's so many of these verses and chapters that, that to be very transparent and honest, I, I would just kind of, I would check it off. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, just kind of read through it and, and say I read it, but it was comprehension there. I can't say comprehension was there. So slowing down and actually studying these verses out has been rewarding. Really have enjoyed that. Let's begin our reading tonight in verse 9 of Job 42. Verse 9, so Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did. This is wonderful. I just thought we'd rejoice in this all over again. They did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. Verse 10 says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord, watch this, gave Job twice as much as he had before. I mean, literally twice as much. We're going to see that. Uh, Verse 11 talks about how his friends and family came, even the ones that had uh, forsaken him previously. They came and consoled him, encouraged him. They came back around. In fact, they even gave him um, basically like a relief fund or just, I I think a token of their um, love and care for Job monetarily gave him something to help. And he put it to good use. Look at uh, verse number 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. That's what the word of God says, isn't it? The Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning for he had, notice this, 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and a thousand she-asses. Now that is literally double of what he had in chapter one when you compare the two on every one of those. Notice this, verse 13. He had also seven sons and three daughters. If you remember in chapter one, chapter two, it mentions the seven sons of Job, the three daughters of Job. So here is another set of 10. Watch this in case I forget to mention it later. He has 10 in heaven, And ten on earth at this time. Ten in heaven, as far as we know, as far as their relationship with the Lord. But but nonetheless, if you'd allow me just take that liberty to say, uh, even though he had lost his children, he hadn't lost his children. We have two in heaven and three on earth, with uh, having had a couple miscarriages along the way. Uh, I like to think those were girls. I don't know (laughs) if it was or not. But uh, we've got three boys, so maybe we have girls in heaven. I don't know. Isn't that kind of a weird thought? But anyways, uh, uh, hey, listen, um, I believe a child immediately in heaven that way, you know? So here, he had 10 in heaven, 10 on earth. Well, look at this. It says, verse 14, He called the name of the first Jemima, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karen Ahapak. In all the land were no women found so fair, so beautiful, so fair, as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brother. Now that's significant. You don't see that throughout the Old Testament very often. You do in the book of Numbers. Um, But here it says, he gave them an inheritance. Now notice verse 16. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. That's good. I like that, don't you? Old and full of days. You can die just old. It's better if you die old and full of days, right? There's a difference there. All right, uh, just real quick. Hold your place there, but look at James. James is warning those that have riches not to trust those riches. And he's encouraging believers to be patient to endure. Even though you're going through hard times, just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going and, and uh, be patient. Be patient. Verse 10, he says, take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of what? Patience. And then specifically he mentions Job. Verse 11, behold, we count them happy, which endure. We count them blessed. We count them happy, which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. You've heard of his endurance. You've heard of his patience. You've heard of the patience of Job. Watch this. And have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Isn't that good? If you're in a trial right now, just know this the Lord is pitiful, compassionate, and he's of tender mercy towards you. And he, hang on, wait. And he has an end. You've seen the end, the purpose. God's got a purpose in this. He's got an end in it. So tonight, final sermon, sermon 47 out of the book of Job. In this series, Trust God in the Trial. Here's our title tonight. Guidestones on the Trail and in the Trial. Guidestones on the Trail and in the Trial. The blessings ahead are greater than the burdens behind. The blessings ahead are greater than the burdens behind. All right, may God bless the reading of His word. As you're seated, we'll get right to it here tonight. <clears throat> so our series, as you see on the screen, I just want to use a, this to be a little bit of an illustration here in just a minute. Uh, our our series has been entitled "Trust God in the Trial," and and I appreciate how Miss Caitlin told me design that. is as, as you can see, it's just uh, it's a little ominous, you know, with the uh, the sea or the ocean and the and just you know the the clouds coming in. Trust God in the trial. Um, about a month ago, maybe a little bit uh, more, end of February, I guess it was a little bit more. Uh, I had had in my heart and mind uh, to take uh, Tyler on a hike, kind of getting ready, you know, as he's getting ready to go to our oldest son, getting ready to go to basic uh, combat training. I was uh, just thinking, you know, just, just a father-son trip. And there's, there's significance to that. Uh, back in 2013, when he was transitioning along with that, uh, that sixth grade class coming into, into the seventh grade, um, Brother Rick McQueen and I talked about doing a, a hike up Elk Mountain and kind of a, a passage into manhood, you know, when you go from sixth grade to seventh grade. And so um, anyways, uh, but then the tornado hit, if you remember that year, obviously, if you were here, you do. And, and so that, that trip and really that whole summer just changed because, uh, you know, we were down in Moore for weeks uh, helping out, you know, in recovery mode. I mean, for two solid months. And so we never got to take that trip. So we took it <laughs> this past February. Okay. So typically, when we go up Elk or Elk Mountain, and uh, and actually with uh, regard to this past year. So this is this is the group from this past uh, May. It was in uh, 2020. Uh, Elk Mountain was closed due to COVID. I'm not really sure exactly why, but. Anyways, that funneled everybody to um, Mount Scott, so Mount Scott has a road that goes up, and you can hike up the side of Mount Scott if you're crazy, but anyways, we, uh, we hiked up the road of Mount Scott, and we made it to the top with this group of young men and dads, and it's a great trip. We really enjoy it, but I, once you, I don't know if you've been to the mountains of Oklahoma here in, in uh, near Lawton, you know, Wichita Mountains. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to hike. But I mean, you can just see literally for miles, you know, and, and it's just on a good, clear day. You can just see nearly, it seems like, you know, forever. So here's young men making their way up as we're hiking. And and uh, so many of them have already grown and changed. It's incredible. So I wanted to take Tyler. So we uh, we had a date set. We had to move one of them due to something. I don't remember. Um, and so then we just said, all right. Rain, sleet, hail, snow, whatever—we're going on this day. And so, anyways, here was the day. You might remember it was a very foggy day. In fact, you literally—you can only see about uh, maybe. uh, Now here we've got pretty decent visibility. We're coming up the mountain. This is this is on that uh, that side of the mountain coming up, but. Uh, so maybe uh, maybe you know 20 to 30 yards ahead of you because once we got to the top, you'll see what I'm talking about. Once we got to the top, it looked like this. That was our view. Okay, now I showed you the other picture, right, from Mount Scott, and you could see for miles. So literally, I mean, we're on a rock, and and you can't you can't see it now, but if I'm standing about where I was there then I'm looking out this way and and normally you can just see forever. But that's what you could see. We had a great time. (laughs) So uh, you can see there even, now you may not be able to see very much from that, but I mean, my glasses literally, can you see that, are like fogged up. I mean, we literally are in a cloud, you know. Just couldn't see. In fact, when we started out, uh, on the journey, you know, uh, he's hiked that before. We've hiked it before. We've done it, you know, at different different times. But um, but, anyways, uh, it's always a little challenging because there's all these other little trails that people make rather than the official trail. We just need to stick with the old paths, right? Just stay on the path, right? So anyways, I mean, literally, I'm just trying to give you an idea of how, how foggy it was as we were going up. Um, I'm on the trail, and normally you can at least look up and see, okay, there's the top of the mountain, all right, and then navigate it from there, but, but honestly, I could not see the top of the mountain. Now, I believe by faith that it was there, right, and we got up to the top, and, and sure enough, it, it was, but here's how bad it was. I mean, once we were at the top, you know, we were going to have a prayer time and just kind of a time to talk, and, and, and so we did that, but... Uh, a group of three ladies came up and they were hiking and, and it's pretty, it's a pretty flat uh, area up on top, you know, and you can kind of walk around. And so they, before they realized it, they walked up right to where we were. And, and so then they were gonna talk and I could tell they were trying to make their way down like they came up. Well, about 10 minutes later, the same group <laughs> of three ladies came around. And they realized what they had done, and we realized what they had done. They had made an embarrassing loop around the top of the mountain, not finding their way down. So unlike what a man would do, they asked, hey, how do you get down? So I I told them, and and they made it, as far as I know. So anyways. So I'm going somewhere with this. Um, We couldn't see our way up. We couldn't see all the way. We couldn't see very far at all. So the thing that I learned to do actually was to look, look down on the path because in, in the path you'll notice, and I, I'm not sure I can zoom in to where you're going to be able to tell a whole lot about it, but there's some stones there that are laid across the trail, some of which are very clearly you know cut stones uh, in fact, in certain places, it's stair-stepped, so you can make your way up a little bit easier. But I began to look for these stones that are laid right there, like the one about in the middle, a little bit, a little bit uh, below the tree. That one's flat on the top. And, and here's what they've done. Wherever the trail goes, if you'll look for those guiding stones... All right. If you'll look for those trail markers, essentially, if you'll just follow and watch for those stones, stone by stone, it will get you to where you need to be. And and honestly, along the way, there's a few times where I said, "Okay, Tyler, I'm I'm not I'm not real sure if this is the actual trail or not. Let me look here. And and sure enough, I hadn't noticed them before, but I started to notice them then there were guide stones all along the way. Now, I'm, I'm starting there tonight because some of you may be in a fog. You're in a in a in a fog of uh, of just this proportion. And right now, you can't see which way to go. You're, you're not sure how all this is going to end. Um. For 41 chapters, is it safe to say? And really right on into chapter 42, Job has been looking at life like this. He didn't know why this was happening. He didn't. And and by the way, he, he never knew this side. He didn't understand why. He had no idea about Satan who was accusing him of only serving God because God was blessing him. He had no idea about that he was in a fog, a fog of a trial and trying to see which way to go. And honestly, there were times that Job wanted to give up. In fact, there were times Job said, you know, it'd be better if I had never been born or been better had I died shortly after childbirth. It, it'd be better if I was just dead. I'm telling you, he, he got overwhelmed in his trial. And if you live long enough, no doubt, there'll be some times where there'll be some heartaches And there'll be some disappointments and there'll be some confusing parts of the trail where you wonder, I wonder what am I supposed to go this way? Am I supposed to go this way or that way? Or am I supposed to just walk back down and be done with it all? Right. I want to help us here tonight to look for the guide stones, because the main idea I think we're supposed to get out of this is simply this. The blessings ahead of us are far better and far greater than the burdens behind us. The blessings ahead of us are far better than the burdens behind us. And and thus what we've got to do is, is simply this. We've just got to trust God in the trial. We've got to trust God in the trial. And along the journey in this book of Job, what we've seen is some guide stones. So towards the end of the message, I'd like just to mention some guidestones. I've got a certain number. The number is not significant, and no doubt there would be more. But I think some guidestones that we could really use just to try to help us to trust God in the trial. Even when you can't see, because as soon as I mentioned the title uh, tonight, or at least the subtitle, that the blessings ahead of us are, are greater than the burdens behind us. I mean, that sounds good, but if you're in the midst of the trial and you can't see 20 feet ahead of you, you may not be able to see, okay, preacher, I know that sounds good. I mean, that even sounds like it could make some good preaching, but, but right now I'm in the midst of this I just lost my loved one. I just lost a, a, a person in my family or I'm in the midst of this financial burden. I'm in the midst of this family uh, difficulty and I cannot see right now because right now all I'm seeing is the fog. All I'm seeing is the trial. How, how can I know? And I think theologically we know this and intellectually we can know this from the Bible that, that the blessings ahead of us are far greater than the burdens that we're going through right now. But when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to see. It's hard to see. Well, Job's friends, they certainly, um, they went on a journey, didn't they? And they needed to be forgiven. I, I just wanted to remind you of the message even from last week and, and, and how that they needed to be forgiven because they had wrongly accused Job. And, and not only wrongly accused Job... But even more so, they had misrepresented God. And so that needed to be straightened out. And God took them, took issue with them, and helped them to come to a place of asking forgiveness. And I I think also an evidence of Job's repentance here is the fact that he also forgave them and prayed for them. That's highly significant. in, in getting ready for this, I want you to listen to this, this quote here by Warren Wiersbe when he said this, we must not mis- misinterpret this final chapter and conclude that every trial will end with all problems solved. I don't wanna give anybody false hope tonight that everything's gonna work out like it did for Job and that you're gonna have, you know, a, a thousand yoke of oxen, etc. cetera. You say, I wouldn't know what to do with that anyway. So good, but I think you get what I mean. Look, it doesn't mean that every problem is going to be solved, all hard feelings forgiven, everybody living happily every after. He says it just doesn't happen that way. But this chapter assures us that no matter what happens to us, God always writes the last chapter. God always writes. The last chapter, he goes on. No matter what God permits to come into our lives, he always has his afterward. He has his afterward. He writes the last chapter and that makes it worth it all. So Job has forgiven his friends. He's he's moving on with that. And we're in what would many ways be called the epilogue of, of the book. And it shows that God has the final say in our trials. And so in verse number 10, it says that God gave Job twice as much. Verse number 12 gets specific and says that the Lord blessed the latter end of Job. And we'll come back to that in just a moment. He blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. But it may kind of sound trite tonight to say, listen, just hang in there because the blessings ahead of you are are greater than the burdens that you're going through right now. Somebody might say, yeah, but but you don't understand the, the weight of the burden that I'm in right now. Well, Job certainly would, wouldn't he? And in fact, maybe you've received encouragement from Job because at least you're not in a situation as bad as what he was in. Right? The loss of children. The loss of trusted servants that were, I think, in many ways, more like family to Job than just servants. The loss of wealth and the loss of reputation and his standing in society. The loss of his health and, and not just momentarily, but a prolonged illness. And, and uh, the stress that came with arguments. The wrangling that's going on between Job and his, his uh, friends. And, and then this, the thoughts that he had toward God. And in fact, all of this... And I, I want to be careful to state it up front here because I don't want even that, that idea that the blessings ahead of us are greater than the, than the burdens behind us. I don't, want, I don't want to convey the idea that the burdens of life are insignificant in any way because they're not. In fact, Job said it this way. He, he compared and said that his grief was heavier than the sand of the sea. Back in chapter 6, his grief was heavier than the sand the sea. You ever have something just weighing down on you? And it's just on your mind constantly. You wake up and it's there and you go to bed and it's there and you go throughout your day and maybe your mind gets off from it for a little while, but then it comes back and, and there's just the burden. Maybe it's that you've got so much to do that you have no idea how you're gonna get it all done and, or there's a situation that's going on at work that you just dread. I mean, you don't even wanna think about it right now that you have to go back to that or, or, or a phone call that you've gotta make. And, and so the burdens of life can be rather heavy and be rather difficult. And so to make this kind of statement, Hey, listen, the the blessings ahead of you are are greater than than the the burdens behind you. That's not the kind of statement that you want to make when somebody just goes into a trial. Uh, We're not making that statement until two years later. I'm not saying you have to wait that long uh, to make that statement. But I, I think we do have to realize, hey, he was experiencing some very and extremely heavy burdens. But Job is given a fresh opportunity at life. But not only is he given it, but I think it's significant tonight. He accepted it. Because sometimes it's one thing to be given an opportunity. It's another thing to actually take it. I'm glad God brought him through that process to where he was willing to take it. You know, I, uh, I thought a lot about my dad today while I was getting ready for this and, and I, I thought, you know, um, my dad's um, first wife passed away with melanoma cancer back in 1963, leaving him with uh, four, four children to raise, ages um, 13, I believe it was, to age four. And uh, that, was a heavy, that was a heavy burden. And my dad would say it this way, I cried a mile one day, son and just didn't know how to deal with all of that. Told me later, um, you know, just how that even, there was some bitterness he had to work through and wondered why God would take his wife. And, and in the process of time, I think my dad was 11 years raising, um, yeah, 11 years raising the kids by himself as a single dad, moved from Arkansas to Kentucky because his mom had moved to Kentucky and, um, and had moved there and, and he got help from her. Um, to help with the kids and such. And that's how he met my mom. And uh, they met riding horses and then just kind of rode off into the blue and then me and my brother came along. I'm kind of like the second set of kids for Job. You know what I mean? I thought about that today. And I thought, I'm glad my dad, you know, was willing to receive God's help to move on and I'm here as a result of it what I'm saying is if if you're in a fog and I imagine there was a lot of time you know when there was just some days that you felt like you're in a fog but I'm I'm thankful also that God knows how to break through and, and so Job uh, moved on here, and, and the Bible says, I'm just simply reading what it says here, that that the Lord blessed his latter end, the, the latter part of his life, the second part of his life, um, the close of his life, more than the beginning. And, and don't get the wrong idea. That's not like these kids were better than the other kids. No, that's not what it's saying at all. It's just, it's, nothing can replace children. You understand that? If you've lost a child tonight, there's, uh, or in your life, there's there's no one that can replace that that child. Every one of them are significant. But but what it's saying here is that the Lord bless the latter end of Job. So that word latter end was interesting. The word latter end, uh, the after part, the end, the later part, um, it shows up in two contexts. And I I wanted to run this by you here tonight for your consideration because it's used in Proverbs chapter five. If you're on the Bible reading uh, plan with the church and you read through Proverbs five and you know that there is the seductress, (coughs) pardon me, the the sexual uh, temptation that comes along and, and the, the father Solomon is warning not to go that route because you will mourn at the last. It's the same word. End and last. Sexual sin causes you grief. It's mentioned twice. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Same word. Same word, Proverbs 14 and verse 12. Psalm 73 and verse 17, Asaph, as he's looking around and thinking, why in the world are the wicked getting away with all this and enjoying all kinds of life? And yet here I am trying to serve God. And he said, I didn't understand that until I went to the sanctuary. And when I went to the sanctuary, when I went to the house of God, he says this, then understood I their end. It's the same word. Okay, So God blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. And so in many ways, your choices in life determine your latter end. Amen. You following that? Your choices in life determine what kind of result, what kind of outcome that you're going to have. I realize tonight that there are many trials that come on us beyond our control. But you do have control as to your responses in those trials and in those situations. So in many ways, you choose your outcome. You choose your latter end by the choices that you make. On the other hand, this same word end is used about a good future that's ahead of the righteous. In fact, Psalm 37 and verse number 37 says this, mark the perfect man and behold the upright for the end, the end result, the end, the outcome, the future of that man is peace. Uh, the same word Ms. Jocelyn, I think, mentioned um, Jeremiah 29. That same word is used here. You'll know the verse when I begin to read it. For I know the thoughts, God says, that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Same word. Same word. So God blessed the latter end of Job. The, the later part of Job's life. That's what the word of God is saying to us here. And he used the funds that were given to him in, in this relief stage uh, to, to rebuild his life essentially. And thus, we don't have all the details here, but we do know this. In chapter one, he started out with one with uh, sorry 7,000 sheep. Now he has 14,000. He had... 3,000 camels, now he has 6,000. He had 500 yoke of oxen, now he has 1,000. He had 500 female donkeys, now he has 1,000. In chapter one, he had 10 sons, and now he has 10 sons on earth. Now he's actually got 20 sons and daughters, 10 in heaven, 10 on earth. And so God has blessed the latter end of Job doubly. It's amazing. And then it names even. In verse 14, if you'll notice, it names the daughters. Uh, Jemima, not, not the one with pancakes, but Jemima. Um, Jemima meaning, meaning dove. Her name means dove. Cassia uh, means kasha. It's uh, cinnamon flowers using incense and, and, you know, um, uh, used with royalty. Karen, in case you're looking for names for girls, here you go. Karen Hapuk means this. I think I just call her Karen for short, but Horn of Eyeshadow is interesting. Horn of Eyeshadow, and so for the eyelashes, the eyelids, the eyebrows, to make the eye attractive—that's what her name means. So all three of their names have something to do with their beauty: the dove, Kasha, and the Horn of Eyeshadow. That'd be a weird name, anyways. I'm not sure if I'd want to be named that, but I think the idea is this. These young ladies, they were beautiful inwardly as well as outwardly. God blessed the latter end of Job. By the way, um, all these are just simply tokens of God's care, not him repaying Job. The reason I'm saying that is because we've already learned that Job, Job has already proven he did not serve God for reward. He served God for relationship. So God was not paying Job off. God was just demonstrating his love and care for Job. Gave him an inheritance. What what does that indicate? Well, it, it just obviously indicates his love and care for them as his daughters. But I think it indicates that Job had plenty to go around. So not only did the sons receive inheritance, so did the daughters. And even Job's life in terms of his age, it says that he lived after this 140 years more. So some speculate that Job maybe was 70, 60 or 70 when the trials came on his life. So if that's the case, then he lived to be over 200 years old or 210 years old. I I don't know for sure, but he lived a long time. He He was old and he was full of days. In other words, he really was satisfied. He was really content in the life that God allowed him to live. He died blessed. And truly, the blessings that were ahead of Job were greater than the burdens that were behind him. On this side, yes, on this side. On on earth, the blessings were greater than the burdens. But, But especially when you factor in eternity... And, and to this day and forevermore. Job and his wife and their twenty children together. And always will be. I'm saying to you, he cried a mile one day. He went through some difficulty. And and it was significant. It was overwhelming. It was 41 chapters overwhelming. But watch this. God got him through that, brought him through on the other side and doubled everything that he had, including his children and his age and caused him to live a long, satisfying life I guarantee you this, if we could interview Job tonight and we'd say, Brother Job, what, would, what do you think? Would you go through that again? I think in many ways he'd say, I wouldn't want to go through all of that. Come on, all of us would say, I, that was excruciating. But wait a minute, would we know of Job? Would his life have the impact that God designed his life to have had he not gone through what he did? What if all of Job's life was just strictly about his comfort and once the comfort was removed, he, just, he got out of God's will and just lived his life? I'm telling you, we wouldn't have the book of Job. But the fact that God allowed him to go through that and designed for him to go through that is not only inspiring to us, but it demonstrates to us that the blessings that are ahead of us far outweigh, far overshadow, overshadow all the burdens and the pain and the problems of this life. I'm telling you, it's just momentary. What we're going through is just momentary. He can get us through that as long as we follow those guidestones. So when you're in a time of life, when you don't know which way to turn and you don't know which way to go, then you may not be able to look up and see where this trail totally leads. But here's what you ought to do. One guidestone at a time. One guide stone at a time. And then there'll be times you're wondering, which way do I go here? Do I stay in school or do I not? Do I change jobs or do I not? Do I keep in church or not? Okay, let's just settle that one. That's a guide stone, stay in church. Stay in the Bible, stay in God's will. Don't, don't let anything get you out of that. But, but what about all this? What about that person and that person and, and this situation and that situation? Listen, we can't answer all of those things. You're not gonna be able to answer all those things. But here's one of the guide stones. You don't have to have all the answers to trust the one who does. Just trust the one that will guide you step by step, day by day, decision by decision. And, and rather than trying to understand everything that's going on, just know what he wants you to do and do that and he'll guide you through it. What are some of those guidestones that we've seen? We've seen this. Here's one guidestone. Because every now and then you're going to wonder, am I on the trail or not? Here's one of the guide stones. Righteousness does not keep you from suffering. Righteousness may be the cause for your suffering. You say, I don't like that guide stone. It's been laid there. And our savior said, in this life, you will have tribulation. You will have suffering. Things will not be easy. Everything is not going to go your way. And so, if it's really difficult and it's even in relationship to your faith, then you may say, you know what? I think we're on the trail because look, here's that guide stone. Another guide stone would be this serve God for relationship, not for reward. Serve God for relationship, not for reward. Because if if Job had been serving God for reward, not relationship, the book of Job would have been rather short. It would have concluded in chapter 3. Serve God for relationship, not for reward. In other words, God used Job in his situation to silence Satan. Hey, wait a minute, just a moment. Let's enjoy that just a moment. There's coming a day that Satan will be silenced. Satan no longer spoke in the book of Job. Did you notice we do not have a chapter where Satan has an afterword? There's no epilogue that Satan gets to write. God has the final say. God writes the final chapter. And so God silenced Satan, proving that worship can be genuine. here's a man that lived it. And, and I know some here, and, and and as pastor, I have opportunity to know some that are going through some real difficult trials right now, and some families that are I would say are just really going through it, or maybe their loved ones really going through it. But here's what I see. By the grace of God, and I want to underline, highlight, bold, all caps, say this. It's by the grace of God that God helps us take another step based on what His Word has said, and His light is a lamp unto our feet, and a guide, and a light unto our path, and He shows us that way. And here's what I'm seeing them do. Just daily by day, week by week, trusting God's grace to be sufficient, not knowing how it all is going to work out, but they keep going. Just keep going. Serve God for relationship, not for reward. Because if you serve him for reward, what's going to happen when all that is removed? Another guidestone that we learned was this. God does not need to be defended. He just needs to be trusted. God does not need to be defended. What we've learned is simply this. Um, We've got to let God be God. And you may not agree with the way he's running his universe. But let me urge you, don't even start to fill out that application because we've learned in a hurry. You don't qualify. Yeah, but if I was running things, things would be different right here. This person would not even have been born. And this situation would never have happened. And that wouldn't be going on. And that person wouldn't be the president. And this wouldn't be going, well, I understand a lot of that. But what we got to do is let God be God. Yeah. Amen. And just trust God in the trial. Because when you trust God in the trial, he brings you through it. You know, we renovated this auditorium. Do you remember that? I remember that. Every now and then I think about that. 2016 and 2017. Isn't that right? 2016, 2017. We were a year and a half in the gym and live streaming, novel idea, live streaming into the Heartland Singles and the real people's class. I think about it from time to time. When I'm thinking about projects that come up here and I'll refer back to that big project and think things like this. God got us through this. He can get us through something else. But but actually the point I wanted to make was this. I come in here week by week and I just enjoy the auditorium. And I don't think about all that we went through to get here unless somebody asked me about it. You know, so even now looking back. OK, OK, hang on. Hang on. How about this? Deuteronomy. I'll never look at the book of Deuteronomy the same ever because I preached the book of Deuteronomy out in the gym. It's the gym book (laughs) now in my mind in many ways. I need to take another run at it, right? But I've got fond memories. I'm glad they're memories, but I've got fond memories (laughs) preaching the book of Deuteronomy and 1 Corinthians and Proverbs. Well, I mean, we were... We're in Proverbs a long time anyways, but Proverbs, I've got fond memories there. I can look back and I can remember all that. But honestly, week by week, day by day, I don't really even think about all that we went through because now what we are enjoying is so much better than what the burdens were then. The burdens were worth it. It was worth it to go through all that to enjoy this now. Jesus said it this way, a woman, when she gives birth to a child, I'm paraphrasing, but when she gives birth to a child, the joy of that child being born causes her to forget all the pain that is associated with with childbirth. Some may take different issue with that, but that's what Jesus said. But it's the joy, you don't think about that pain every single day, but you think about this, the joy that a son or a daughter is born into the world. You got it? You gotta go through some things to see God's blessings. But the blessings ahead of us are so much greater than the burdens behind us. It's college night, so I say to all the college students, it's gonna to get tough, it's gonna to get hard, it's gonna be hard right now, wherever you are. If you're working a job, you're college and career age, you're working a job, you're at OCU, UCO, triple C, O-U, O-S-U, O-K-C, something with an O and a C and a U in it. You're somewhere here in the city. And and you're, I mean, it's just overwhelming that you've got this do and this do and this do. And you've got to turn this in and you've got to get all this done and work and have a social life and go to church. Mercy sakes alive, I can't get it all done. Hey, just keep going. If God has brought you to it, he can bring you through it. God's brought you here for Heartland Baptist Bible College. You're in crunch time too. Don't forget that. And and God's brought you to it. He can get you through it. And you got to pay your school bills. How's that going to happen? Well, you trust God in the trial. You don't give up. You don't stop. You keep going. You don't change and do something else. Don't take a little rabbit trail here or another trail there that some man made. Stay on the path. Look for the stones. Look for the way that God leads. It'll be there. You'll be confused every now and then. You won't know what to do. You won't know how to handle this. Young marriage, you won't know how to handle that. Old marriage, you won't know how to handle that. Parents, you won't know what to do sometimes. Grandparents, you won't know what to do sometimes. Hey, people working jobs, you won't know what to do sometimes. People with parents that are aging and you're trying to figure out what to do there, You won't. what to do sometimes, but I'll tell you who does. God in heaven, he's never vacated his throne and he's put some stones in your path that if you'll just follow that, he'll bring you through if you'll trust him in the trial. I told Tyler, I said, Tyler, because that fog didn't lift by the time we came down off that mountain, mind you. I told him, son, listen, won't you, because I said, you know, right now with you going into, into what you're going to and then eventually into physical therapy, if God leads that way, there's still a lot of things in your life that's just like this. You're like in a fog right now. And I remember being 18 years old and in a fog. Anybody else here? And, and God had given direction about many, many things, but I was still in a fog about a lot of stuff at 18. Come on, you didn't have it figured out at 18 either. I remember being in a fog about all that. What am I gonna do? Who am I gonna marry? I kind of had that one figured out. But anyways, what am I gonna do about this? Where am I gonna be? Where am I gonna serve? Where am I gonna be? What, I mean, all these questions, just flood your mind, flood your mind. You're thinking, good night, how do I handle all this? And then all the stuff you gotta do and you just get in a fog. I said, son, what we're gonna need to do come back to this mountain when it's on a clear day and hike it again and talk about the things that you've learned. Because the blessings ahead of you are greater than the burdens that you're going through today and the burdens that are behind you if you will indeed trust God in the trial. One other thing we did on the way up. We did something I believe I learned first from Brother Copes. Uh, SWOT, SWAT Analyzing Strengths. Weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. We talked about strengths, we talked about weaknesses, we talked about opportunities, we talked about threats. You know why? Because the trials of life will cause you to realize, really, we have no strength except what God has. We've got a long list of weaknesses. We do. There are many opportunities ahead of you. There are also many things that will threaten your journey. Sometimes coming down off that mountain is more challenging than going up because uh, a mountain looks different on the way down than it does on the way up. And I found a few trails that I thought was a trail, but I didn't know about those guide stones at the time. And so I took that trail and that was a deer trail or an elk trail on elk mountain. Let's go elk, elk trail. And I'm not built like an elk. <laughs> and that trail got tough cuz I was off the right path. Can I say something to you here not trying to stretch the analogy further than what it ought to be, but let's preach it while it's there. The way of the transgressor is hard. You got to stay on the path that has been laid out for you by God and his word and godly people and look for the stones. They're there. They're there. You've just got to trust God in the trial. Let's stand together here tonight. Father, I want to thank you that in the trials of life, you've made the provision whereby we may keep going even when we don't understand, even when things seem so overwhelming. God, those trials certainly provide us an opportunity to get to know you more and coming to know you more, God, to trust you more intimately, more thoroughly even in life. And God, I'm thankful tonight that we don't have to have all the answers to trust you since you do have all the answers. I pray tonight, dear God, for the dear members of Southwest Baptist Church, some of whom are in the midst right now of a trial and maybe they can't see the way to go, I pray that you'd help them. And then our guest as well, there's some here that maybe have a situation of life even that has brought them here. I pray that you'd help them to trust you. Lord, we'll thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.